And just like that, we are live on another Wednesday afternoon. How's everybody doing today? We have a special guest today. It was like Richard Thompson. I don't know whether you guys are familiar with what they do here in the United States, but it was they pull a groundhog out of the ground every year to predict how long winter's going to be. So, Punxsutawney Phil. So, I'm not saying you're a groundhog, Robert, but we've pulled you from hiding to be on the show today. And he told me this is only the second time he's allowed somebody to interview him. So, yeah. We're super stoked to have you today, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Well, thank you for continually asking and then finally getting me on. Yeah, he's been hitting that delete button. This is not the first time I've asked him. I think I've asked him four or five times and he just hits delete and ignores me. So you just finally wore him down. I didn't take it personally, my friend, because here you are and we appreciate it. Uh, We've got some fun stuff to talk about uh, to this week. Um, what do you guys have going on this week? Anything special, exciting, Pete? Have you broken or frozen anything this week? So, <laughs> from from a uh, from, from from something that's relevant, I've completely reorganised my week. So now I have uh, less time for coaching, but more time to prepare for them. If that makes sense. So that's that's been good. No, no, no disasters this week. I've got a new phone that's turned up. I've got the new S twenty three, but that's just my YouTube life. Um, no, it's all good. How about nice. yourselves? Doing well. Like you have an app named YouTube. There you okay, go. So you set your watch <laughs> off. Uh, welcome, Tim Kidney, to the show. We have uh, John Sarzoza. He's from Chile, southern Minnesota. Minnesota, as they say here in the States. Uh, we got all kinds of different accents here in the States. So Pittsburgh area has their own unique accent. Like it is probably the most uh, uh, a peculiar accent of ever in, the, in the States. Uh, but anyway, we won't go there. It's sunny today. Supposed to be up in the 50s, so I'm not freezing, unfortunately, John. So, how about you guys? What's the weather like over in UK? Since you all three are in the UK, so <laughs> you know what? Not bad. Really, yeah, it's cold but sunny. So, uh, my my recent solar panel project. Woo-hoo, every nice. day, yeah. Is it all <laughs> in now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All done. Battery, solar. I did it all myself. Um, Very nice. And it's it work. Wow. And I didn't blow myself up. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Not yet, anyway, huh? <laughs> no, no, there's still time. I think in summer, like when it gets really sunny, maybe the house will set on fire. But who knows? Uh, got months before yeah. that happens. Exactly. So we'll know when you don't turn up for one of the shows what happened. So <laughs> you'll be like Wiley Coyote from the, uh, the cartoons. So. Yeah. <laughs> just be torched. That'll probably be me with just a just a little brown sign that says "Uh oh," and the house is on fire in the background. <laughs> <laughs> He's got char marks on his face. So yeah, yeah, my hair will be burnt. Oh, wait a second. Um, oh, it's nice to see Tim. Tim Kidney. Uh, Tim responded yeah. to a challenge that I put out on LinkedIn uh, the other week about just do it when it comes to video, and like same week. Absolutely nice. beautiful. It was lovely to see you, Tim, and really great to hear you. Yeah. Uh, it was so nice. And Tim runs a, a company, uh, an MSP called Funky Mouse, where he is the chief mouse. And I just think that's so nice. It's so cool. Just like we've all come up with these boring tech names. I mean, what is a cloud nexus anyway? Um, but Funky Mouse, I love it. It's so cool. It's so good. I did too. Yeah, he was on my uh, Friday jam session last week. Uh, so I popped Ooh. up his, his LinkedIn profile. That, like, yeah, it's... Things like that that stand out, like it's just outside the norm. Um, yeah. And Robert, you and I were talking about that, how 
how uh, uncomplicated it actually is to stand out from the norm, uh, especially yeah. in this industry. It doesn't take tons of effort. Yeah, too, um, too many IT companies have IT in their name or computers or technology in their name. We need to move away from that. Yeah, for sure. But is it not a really clever way of fooling the Google search thing of like, well, if you're searching for IT support and IT support's in the name, then... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're, you're the Mr. Analytics. I'll ask you. <laughs> but honestly, we used to find that with, um, particularly on Google Maps, if you're searching for businesses on like the maps side of things, if you've got like yep. the name in your, um, and certainly local, if you're like, a hyper-local MSP and you're, I don't know, Portsmouth's IT support company, if you literally called yourself Portsmouth's IT support company, you'd be like number one because it would be there. If you happen to live on Portsmouth Road, then you'd be in there as well. Like there's as many times as you can get the location name into there as well. But um, it does, yeah, it does seem to work. Yeah, and I think, you know, from a brand perspective, yeah, I, I like what Tim is doing there. It's like, it's stuck in my brain. Like I, I won't mm. forget that name and yeah, so... It's kind of a catch twenty two when it comes to, to YouTube and algorithms and all that fun stuff. Um, when it comes I suppose to marketing, it also, it also helps that if you're an MD and you've got a bit of personality about it, then you can use that to brand. But if you don't have personality, then go with IT support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Edwards joining the show again this week. Appreciate that, my friend. Everybody's tuning in. So we're, let's talk about that. We came. The term upserving. Um, R- Richard actually interviewed, was it Bob Berg um, on one of his, I didn't pull that up, my apologies, on one of his blog posts. So we've talked about upselling our clients. Um, I think we covered that on the first show of this year and planning for this year, how that should definitely be a recurring goal of ours is, is getting all of our customers to buy everything we sell. And I like that terminology better because we just, we get weirded out when it comes to selling. So it, rather than upselling, I like that term upserving. Uh, so that's what we kind of want to talk about today is how do we do that? Um, and that's, this is the reason I've been wanting to get Robert on here because Robert messaged me, what was it, probably about a year ago, not even a year ago, and no, told me he had, yeah, he had increased sales last year. Was it 65%? Did I get that right? Something around that figure, yeah. Increased sales by 65% from his current customer base. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah, there there was a few new customers, but a lot of them were the existing customers because we all know it's easier to sell to the people that you're already talking to. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about what kind of puts you down that strategy, because it seemed like you you worked heavily on that last year and kind of put all of your eggs in a lot of your eggs in that basket as far as directing your efforts to that. So tell us a little bit about the thinking behind that and kind of the the methodology, if you will, uh, behind that strategy. I was I was going to say we'd go through this at the end of today's session. So we keep all the viewers guessing and waiting. Um <laughs> But you know what? No, let's just go through it now. Um, so it's not original. Um, this was something that Richard Tubb has talked about many times. Uh, Paul Green, who I'm well connected with, uh, has talked about. And it's all about white space or the green dots, however you want to call it. 
but we also took last year to have a look at the stack of the tools that we use within our MSP, um, make sure that they're the future-proof tools, not the ones that we've used for the last five, six, seven, or eight years, because if you're using something from seven years ago, it's not going to last you the next five years. Um, and then really it was you know, using that spreadsheet, as I said, the white space, having all your customers down one side, all the services across the top, um, and getting as many of those cells filled in as possible. So when I started it, I think we were just less than three cells per customer. At the close of 2022, when I re-looked at it, I think we were 6.2 cells per customer. So wow. no, no real extra customers, but doubling the amount of services to them. So what, what was your strategy for getting in front of those prospects and, and offering that? Sorry to interrupt you, Scott. Do you have your no, no, question? It was my question. Yeah, that, that's what I, I want to know. Because we, we in our previous business, when we did a lot of, of acquisitions, we would always try and plot out you know, how many products per customer do we have? Um, and no one ever knew. They, they would never take the time to make the list down the left and make the products cross up and put yeah. all the crosses in the box. They just, they just didn't do it. But like they would constantly be talking about cross-sell and upsell, land and expand. As soon as we buy this company that does this one thing, we're going to then sell all of our other products to them. And then they never did. And so like it was nice to have that idea. And, and we talk about this a lot on the show of having this spreadsheet. Getting, getting the MSPs to do that is one job. Cool. But then the next step is the execution. How do you then go... I mean, did you do it by like this is our most profitable product? This is our easiest sell. This is this is the the easiest, quickest thing for us to close. What was your kind of strategy around going through that that process? Okay, so so the strategy was looking at those customers that were taking the least, and then having a think about what are the mandatory services that we really need those customers to be taking as a minimum, and if they weren't taking them having that conversation or emailing them if they're they're a small company and you know it's only a couple of quid difference don't waste too much time on uh, going out to see them but just an email to say we are going to opt you in if you really don't want it you have to opt out and if you want to opt out i'm going to send you a disclaimer Nice. Simple. So we've seen those disclaimers in the tech tribe before where it's like you can you can opt out of this, but you need to know we won't be responsible for this, 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 because we believe it's a I don't know a fundamental part of your business security to have this. Yeah. And what was the, what was the response like? Did did you get people opting out or very, very few opt outs? We had less than three percent opt out. Wow. You know, wow. it was probably more than that that asked to opt out, but that opt out did the exact job that we wanted it to do, and it really made them think. And, you know, when, when you actually bullet point all the reasons and then that they, if they have an issue, they can't come to you because they have opted out, yeah. it was like, actually, you know what? We've had a think about it. You know, for that £7 a month, actually, we'll take the service. Thank you. Yeah, no, totally. I, I I love it, and it's it's having that boldness as well of saying like this is our minimum standard. This is what we need to get you to. 
Otherwise, we're going yeah. to have to like you know, limit our SLA or our responsibility. And, you know, especially we've seen so many cyber threats and cyber attacks that keep happening. You're you know, putting yourself out there and going, we won't be responsible if, if this happens. And I'm not saying that automatically means that you are responsible, but you're saying we will totally disclaim responsibility because you don't yeah. meet the bare standards. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the gatherings that we go to, the, the CompTIA and stuff like that, I talk to other IT companies, um, and I was talking with uh, Chris Ward from Vermont, and oh, he yeah. has a very similar um, way of looking at the business that he looks after. And if that person doesn't want to upgrade their server 2008 because they clearly don't care about the business, why should he care about it? So, you know, if you're if you don't care about the business, don't hold us to blame when it goes wrong. Is there any risk there? Because I know it wasn't the recent case where um, an MSP did kind of get, I don't know if they got sued at the end of the day, but they came after the MSP and the MSP were at fault, even though they had, I think they had disclaimers in place and they'd yeah. obviously yeah. tried to quote and had the quotes rejected. I, I saw this um, and I think it was a thread actually in the tech tribe um, and it was a template that he used. It wasn't a tech tribe template, but it was a template that he used and the wording wasn't in the favor of the MSP. Uh, so, yeah, so basically I, I can't get your contract in somebody. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you, it went to court and the court found in mm. favor of the client, not the MSP, because the wording said that we would we would look after or we would guarantee something. And they clearly hadn't read the template before issuing it out to their clients. Yeah, And that's it, you, you know, do your homework. Yeah, mm. that's it. I think the, the ones I've seen previously as well as the, the court had said, and I, I, Pete, I've tried to find this, this uh, article <laughs> again. I've genuinely tried. Um, but I remember it saying that the, um, the MSP hadn't been specific and persistent enough in their advice that the client did not have anything backed up. And so when there was a ransomware attack and, and everything essentially got encrypted, the MSP was saying, hey, we, we told you this could happen. Um, and the feedback from the court in that situation was, no, you weren't clear enough. As technical experts, you hadn't made it abundantly clear to the business that this was a risk. Yeah. Yes, you tried to sell them back up, but you hadn't made the risk clear. Um, and so I think- so again, Maybe like having... part wasn't made in place for, the, for them particularly. Exactly. So, so I think this, back, this messaging. Yeah. Cool. On the backup one, um, I've got the URLs to Microsoft, Amazon, Dropbox, and Google, where they all say we are not a backup service. Go and get third party. You, you know, and so we pointed our customers to the Microsoft one for Microsoft three hundred and sixty five to say Microsoft are saying it, so we're going to turn it on for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we, we got more thanks than anything else. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, to answer Westway IT's question, um, when I started uh, building up the uh, spreadsheet of uh, the services and the cells, we were about 27 columns. That's when I decided that we would actually look at the technology stack uh, and reduce that. And I think we're down to about 16 or 17 columns now. And I could reduce that more. I was going to ask it. It seems like that's a great time for you to go. We have one or two people 
taking this service from us. And then you can look at the overheads or the cost or the support risk of having to keep people trained on that one tiny little product that doesn't have any traction. And then you can kind of rein it back in and go, actually, we're going to move you to this or we we can consolidate. Or do you know what? We just don't do that anymore. Um, was there much of well, that we, that you saw that was obviously bringing it back we, to 16 products? Yeah, we moved plenty of customers, but we didn't actually have to tell them, um, you know, and it was moving from vendor A to vendor B um, on a security stack. And, you know, the security stack that we have now, all the technicians here know that security stack well, whereas we had one security product that we were supplying to one client and nobody knew how to work it here. So it was get that customer off that platform. So it sounds like I it guess, did a couple things for you to help you guys streamline business to make the delivery of the services much easier, but it also had oh, that uh, added bonus of getting more revenue. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and it's so not just you, the revenue um, as well. Yes, Pete. How would you recommend people get started? Because this is something that I, uh, along with this particular report. And also the like the client profitability report. It's one of the like the most common things that I think everyone needs to have, and yet no one still does them. You know the the client products matrix and the profitability. You sound like it was yours more of a manual process. Did you manage to automate it anyway? Obviously, a huge part of uh, huge huge no, fan it, of automation. But fundamentally, if you do it manually, it's still just as good. It was. It, it started off manually. It has become a bit more automated. So we can run uh, the report now. And it probably takes us two or three hours. But putting the report together in the first place um, actually took me over a month. Wow. And it was literally, it was, it was painful. But, you know, lock yourself away in a dark room. Um, when you've got, you know, 180-odd contracts, you know, down one column and 23 columns across, it's a huge, huge spreadsheet. And, you know, you're looking at every single invoice to say, what's that service? Well, that could be the same as that one and that one and that one. Um, and then say, right, you know, we've got to move customer A, B, and C um, and get it all centralized. Uh, and as I said, now we've reduced the amount of columns um, and then target for 2023 is to reduce those columns again. And so what does your manual process look like now? You say it takes three to four hours or so. Is that it's manually scraping through data and importing it in? How does it work? Uh, so so we, our PSA tool spits, uh, our PSA tool along with our invoicing um, spits out a nice CSV that I can quickly set up some filters that I've recorded in macros um, and it's job done. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Have you, ever, you tend ever to do that at the beginning of the month or the end of the month? Sorry. So, go ahead, Pete. I, I was just just going to ask if you ever looked at doing it within the PSA. I'm not sure which PSA you're using, but using like the built-in reports. Um, I haven't. That will probably be the next stage. Uh, we use Autotask as our PSA. Um, okay. And having having not used or having not used Autotask until I came to Cara, so I've only been with the uh, Autotask PSA for two years. Um, I'm still learning a hell of a lot about it. Yeah, that's the, the problem I find with 
yeah, like autotask and connect wise, like the, the bigger boys, you have to really know like how to write reports yeah. to get some good data out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're huge beasts. Um, and I understand that, you know, if you can get it to work, it can work fantastic for you. But coming in as a newbie, um, it's a bit like rabbit in headlights. Hmm. Those of you just For watching, Dan, Danny Chaplin, I'm just going to, uh, sorry, Pete, I'm going to welcome a couple of people, Danny Chaplin from the uh, Midlands. If you guys have questions for Robert, please put those in the comments. So I want to make sure we get the questions answered. Those of you tuning in live. Uh, they are so allowed to ask questions to Scott and Pete as well, you know. We got <laughs> You came for the grilling, man. We're going to, we're going to leave you started. Leave. <laughs> sure. uh, go they ahead. They can Pete. ask me I'm questions about, you. uh, how do I keep my hair so shiny? The answer is dog biscuits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so Robert, I, I, I mean, the, what you've done in the two years at Cara is phenomenal. But just in, in no uncertain terms, it's absolutely phenomenal. The growth to drive that much upsell, or sorry, upserving into the existing base and to then even just to document and simplify your product stack, making sales easier, making support easier, making every delivery easier, because it's now getting into a, a smaller pack of products and, and the aspiration to do that again in the next year. Genuinely, it's outstanding. And, and, and I think it's, it's inspirational for the, for the MSPs that are joining the call and, and listening in on the podcast. So I don't, I don't ever want to diminish what you've achieved because I think it's absolutely fantastic. And that's why we wanted you on the show to show that we talk about this stuff a lot, you know, build the spreadsheet, do the cross-selling, do cross-sell and upsell. And everyone kind of looks at it like a theory and we go, no, here's the proof. Here's a guy who walked into yeah. Cara two years ago. And I, and, and I know there's a team and I know it's, you know, it's a whole effort, but that strategy that you've driven has been phenomenal. It really is. And I'd love to know, I mean, did you have to, because obviously you've got to do all the, 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 the research and talking to the customers and you've said, you know, for the small ones and twos, just email them and tell them you're increasing the price, you're changing the service, whatever it is. But for the, the bigger clients, did you have to sort of increase any sales resource or was any account management resource or was it just you would work with the account managers and, and tell them, hey, this is the picture we need to paint. Please go and chat to your, your clients and this is what we're doing. Uh, I suppose there's a bit of everything in there. You know, as I said, we've got new tools, new tools in the stack. So it's talking to those bigger customers saying, you know, that product that we sold you X number of years ago, it's been superseded. We want you to switch you to this product because it's going to service you better. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Can we turn that on now? Yes, please. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a people think it's really complicated. I know we were talking about this earlier, um, Andrew, about uncomplicating the uh, uncomplicate the complicated um you know people upgrade their phone without even thinking about it so why can't we upgrade our services there you I, go. Don't have an I don't i don't we all want the latest and the greatest so do it honestly like the, the the, the internal, not the internal, but like the upselling um, and and that kind of thing. I know this is like old now, but my dad like made his um, made his career by doing exactly that. He basically came into a business um, that was just selling to new clients, and all he did was focus on the new clients. And he came in and went, Who, "Who's who's serving the existing clients? Who's who's looking at the existing clients?" Nobody was doing it, and he literally just looked at the existing clients and he broke 
all the sales records, smashed all of his targets. Like everyone hated him because he was bringing in so much money for the business because he just focused on the one thing that no one else was focusing on. So I think focusing on your own yeah. clients is it's easier because you don't have to go out and do all the marketing, the sales and the, the whole like prospecting thing. You've got the clients, they've already bought from you. You know, there's that whole, um, I'm going through at the moment for like looking at core sales and like the whole kind of the funnel side of things. Once someone's paying you money, it's a lot easier to get them to pay you again or more money because they're already an existing paying client. They know the service they're getting. So yeah, absolutely going back and going through all your your services. Uh, did you ever run into any issues and, and how did you handle it if you did of, um, you know, I, I don't know if you were offering things like lease lines or connectivity or, or backup systems no. where they were already in contract? No, we, we don't do lease lines or anything like that. So, you know, we, we are just a pure MSP. Um, we don't do um, connectivities. We don't do phones. We don't do websites. We've we got partners that will and happily, yeah. you know, introduce them to the partners. But, yeah, we don't touch those because, uh, again, you know, the, the, the stack that we now have, um, the guys in the service desk know everything about that stack. And were there certain parts of the like the columns that you had? Were there some of those you were there a default? We're going to put you on this, and some of those were a discussion. And where did you draw the the boundary between which ones were a discussion and which ones were automatically we're going to just start charging you for it? So, so the the default ones were the mandatory ones. So very easy. You know, you've got to start with your your antivirus, your ransomware, your malware protection, and your backups. Um, if any of the clients didn't want any of those services, then you've got a question, are they the right clients for you? Um, yeah. And then having a look at the additional services around, what type of business are they? You know, if they're uh, heavy on email, then talk to them about Exclaimer. You, you know, email signatures that they can change the little advert at the bottom on a frequent time or a frequent basis. Um, if they're not heavy in email, then that's not really the service for them. So don't try and push it. Awesome. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I think the other thing as well is, you know, when you do reduce your stack, it's working with the vendors as well. Um, don't forget about them because, you know, if those vendors can upsell to you, then you can upsell to your clients. If you're ignoring the vendors upselling to you, you've got nothing to upsell. Yeah, there's a couple of questions come in. Uh, one from Tim Kidney he said, uh, I'd like to work globally, which is the CRM provided by the Tech Tribe, into automating, upselling, and nurturing a particular package towards a sale. Is this recommended to use a CRM with clever sequences and workflows? Yes. Do you guys, I think how often it, do you guys send that out? Yeah, I think Scott was saying, you know, if, if they're like ones and twos, just send them an email, get them get the change done and be done with it. Um, yeah. I think certainly if there are lots of larger clients, then maybe a more personalized approach would work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of um, just automating the heck out of anything you can possibly automate. Um, but um, but there's nothing quite to be said for, you know, a bit, a bit of a personalized service. So um, it just it's finding that balance between getting the message out versus not having enough time to get the message out. So I think it's just finding, you know, it, it depends on who you are, how many clients you've got, the size of the clients, uh, but absolutely. And I think in terms of this kind of hooks into, you know, using a CRM system like Growably um, and using your PSA system right as well. And the way I'd, you know, 
trying to get it set up right to start with. So having the correct contract types when you're setting up contracts within the PSA systems, because then when you're doing these kind of automations back to Growably or Active Campaign or any other CRM system, you can basically look for does, does this client have a contract that exists for this type? And if they don't, then they'll be on the list that then gets the email that then can talk about upselling them to, to that client. So there are lots of ways of doing it. It's just, um, and again, you've got to spend the time implementing that. But I'm, a, again, a fan of, I'd rather do it once and then it's done and rather than having to keep going back and making tweaks and then doing it manually and just gets very messy. And then you forget which ones you've done. But yeah, spend the time, get it done, do it automated if you can do. Uh, but you can't quite uh, yeah, put a price on doing it uh, yourself if you can be. I think you, you, you picked on a, a point there, Pete, making sure that everything is correct. So PSA, CRM, make sure that the filters are right, because I think that's the biggest headache that I've got at the moment is making sure that if somebody's taking a service, that all the knock-on filters are filled in. So I'm not advertising a service to somebody that's already got it. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, have you heard of, actually, of this new mail filtering, like the one you've already sold us? <laughs> um, backpedaling. Andrew, you might be best um, yeah. known for this. With, with Growably specifically, how are people dealing with the integrations? Is there Are there any integrations between Growably and PSAs and anything else, really? How are they getting there, clients from between the two? Th there is. Um, it's actually a white label called Lead Connector. There's a Zap Zapier has... Um, built-in functions the more functionality is there's a company called ghl tools uh Growably is built on high go high level um but there's a company that's built a awesome integration with make or integramat formerly integramat um but yes it allows you to easily push data out into just about all the psa tools uh but i think specifically the psa tools mainly are working with zapier i think some of them are starting to see the integrations with make mm -hmm and are providing the little connectors between the PSA and uh, CRM tools. I don't think any of them quite at the, I mean, considering it's an IT tool, I don't think any of them are quite at the stage they really should be for the, like the integrations, like being, being able to display all of the fields through their API. I think at the moment you can only really trigger on like when user is created, when company is created, but you don't get to see the contracts behind them, the tags on their contact or like any of the other information that would be like super useful be able to then add them into the right groups at the other end so um yeah hopefully they'll they'll get there eventually but who knows <laughs> yeah i don't know zomentum seems to be another tool that i hear used a lot when it comes to upserving um as far as being able to categorize that i know they're heavy on you know the sales process but there's also a, p a piece that i know of with zomentum to go back when you're doing your qbr tbrs um mm. But I think that's they've got some functionality built in there. I'll ping um, the folks at Zomentum see to get some further answers on that. Is how to basically take the spreadsheet out of it. If you're already using Zomentum, you may be able to have that functionality built in there that says, "Here's my clients. Here's the services. Here's what they do and don't have." Um, I think <clears throat> we we use Zomentum. It's more of that. Um kind of sales quoting prospecting kind of engine at the moment. So you can integrate with it for, for mailing lists and that kind of thing. Um, but it, it 
it doesn't really hold all your contracts and all your services. Um, from what I can see, it's it's literally sales quote and then pass to an, an order system. So I know when we took out uh, Zementum, it was recommended to integrate it with HubSpot. And so HubSpot can then be your pure play CRM and your mail list engine and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you would have your, your lists and filters would be passed into HubSpot. And then you can kind of get them into a stage where you want to quote them. That's where Zementum comes in and all your digital signatures and, you know, creating the project in your PSA would, would run through Zementum once it's approved. Um, but, it's, I mean, great, great product. Really simplified the sales process for us when we're doing repeatable, you know, scopes of works and orders and things like that. I think the other thing I just wanted to mention to Tim was he was also talking about um, – it sounds more like prospecting when he's on about nurturing a, a sale rather than maybe cross-selling or upselling or upserving. I'll get it right one day. Um, I think I genuinely think like sequences can work really well um, in establishing a mailing list and consistently just bringing new information to those uh, those people in your list. Pete, you've just been growing yours, I think, to about a thousand subscribers now in your mailing list. But it's that ability for us to just keep. You know, even if it's monthly, just, you know, drop out a note, here's an update, here's a new service, here's some things that we do, because it's all that sort of, you know, hitting the people at the right time when they're ready to buy and staying top of mind throughout that process, isn't it? Because you're not, you're not always going to hit the people at the exact time they want to buy. So Tim, I think having, you know, having that uh, mailing list and having that automation run through and yeah, you know, if, if you have some good value to give, like you've got a nice PDF ebook or, you know, one pager that they're going to download, you can get them to the landing page they can download it and you can start to filter them more through that prospecting tool so you've got your broad catch-all kind of prospecting email list you've then got the people who've downloaded this particular pdf so you know they're more interested you can then filter it down again say hey you know you can have a call to action do you want to book in a call to run through that stuff did they book in a call did they not book in a call and you can keep filtering that list down so that you're getting really really specific and you're seeing exactly who's interacted with however many pieces of content they're obviously really interested. Um, and so it's a great way to use that to just keep a broad touch with people, but let them know what's happening and let them know of a new product or service or or package it's offering, or even you know how you've recently helped another client with a piece of work. Um, because again, they might just see something about themselves in that, that they go, oh, actually, you know, we have that challenge or we're a similar type of business. And it, it will soon prompt them to you know keep you top of mind, keep you right there when they have that IT challenge. So I took something from one of Andrew Moon's courses um, about nurturing new customers, and it was the, I think, the nine touch points. Um, so I'm a HubSpot user, and I've created a category which is called the journey. Um, so easy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, if they have opened a marketing email, there are one. If they have clicked a link on a marketing email, there are two. If they've read a PDF that's available, three, and it's watching their interaction, and I've categorized their interaction. So if they're really interacting with my emails, I can hit them with a different story. Exactly what you were saying, Scott, was, you know, with we've just helped a customer do this. Whereas if they've never really interacted and they're only a one, that story is going to be lost on them. And then I've also categorize the person that's in it so whether they're a director a manager or an influencer so again i have a different message going out to different people because a director 
Well, although he's a director, he might be on the golf course a lot, so he's not really going to see the email and action it. So I need to hit the managers and the influencers with the reason why they need this process so that they could do um, a business plan. When they then have the board meeting and the director's there, they can say, we need this, go to car and get it. It's, yeah. <clears throat> it's so smart. And, and what I love about that is it's the kind of, it sounds like a lot of heavy lifting, right? You go, oh my God, now I've got, to, I've got to make nine stages. I've got to write emails. I've got to target people in different ways and have different messages for different people. But like, again, the MSPs we talk to, they're already doing all of this, but they're just doing it ad hoc every time they get an opportunity. And what we're yeah. saying is, yeah, you're going to sit and you're going to write and you're going to make, you know, nine touchpoint emails. You're going to make some PDFs. You're going to do this. It doesn't take long, but the reusability of that now and that categorization that you've got, that automation then helps because now you're doing things at scale without even thinking about it. And you're getting it, you're getting someone who's just going stage one, two, three, four, five. I, I better give this guy a call because they're just, they're rattling through the stages and they're really interested in what we have to offer. Yep, absolutely. And it, once the, you know, once they're at stage five and I give them a call, they know who I am when I'm calling them. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I've had his emails. I've read the PDFs. They're really good. Yeah, I'll talk yeah. to him. Whereas yeah. if you call them on stage one, who? What? <laughs> no, not today. Yeah, they don't quite know you yet. Uh, Westway IT. Also, oh, cool. uh, I was Sorry. just going to answer Westway IT's question, if we can get that. Uh, how soon after a scheduled price increase would you do a switch? I'm assuming he's probably done the, you know, maybe a year-end price increase. But how do, how far out in it, you know, do you do you do that this quarter? Like if you just did a price increase in December, do you try to upsell or upserve this Q1, or do you wait a little bit? Uh, if you've just done a price increase, then surely they've got all the services that you need. Um, so they really shouldn't be missing any. Um, I wouldn't go too soon because you don't want to become the person that only contacts them when you've got something to sell. You need to leave it a little bit, go and have some coffees, go and have some catch-ups without any sales hat on, you know, and just build up that uh, relationship. Um, so I would probably say every six months, have a look at every six months. No, that's good advice. Did you have another what question, if, um, Scott? What if you haven't done a price increase yet? So um, I'm wondering if I'm reading that question. So if you haven't done the price increases, when so when you were approaching these clients and implementing, like, okay, we're going to just put you on this new this new product, was that as effective next month in the next quarter when contracts lap? Like, when when did it come in? Oh, if, if we were to, if we were turning the service on, I would give them thirty days notice. So thirty days notice yeah. with a couple of reminders. The reminder clearly stating when it is going to be turned on and when the billing will start. That's given them plenty of time to opt out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and again, you know, kind of going back on that question, I think a lot of MSPs haven't done scheduled price increases, if ever. Um, so I think they're now doing that. But I think melding those two things together, what you're talking about, is not just blindly increasing their prices just to make the profit that you should be making in the first place, but it's going back and reevaluating your tech stack, reevaluating what they should have, 
then giving them a proper price increase that that should yeah, include to, all of those basic services. You want to give them a proper service. And, um, you know, if you look at, take the dentist industry, yeah? In the last two years, three years, you know, we've all been to the dentist. Who's paying the same price for their dentist that they were paying three years ago? No a solution. You just stop going to the dentist and that fixes lots of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> Take all your teeth out. There's the, uh, there's the solution. Yeah. <laughs> there you, go. No. But, you know, all these other industries that we work with, um, solicitors, accountants, you know, they will put their price up at the drop of a hat. Why aren't we? You know, our, I think our industry is very bad at keeping up to date with pricing. It, the cost of living oh, is going up even before the pandemic, even before the Ukraine war, the cost of living was always going up. Um, and I know many MSPs that haven't put their price up for three, four, maybe five years. All they thought about yeah, it was... It goes back to there with... Um, the guy shared a, a, an infographic of the um, how inflation has affected various uh, sectors. And IT yeah. apparently had gone down by like 5% or something. So we've, I think we've been making 5% extra money, apparently. But we all know <laughs> that we're just so bad. We're the last people ever to put our prices up, where everyone else had put it up like 20 to 50% already. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people are, are more scared about putting the price up, so they'll try and go out and win new business. Yeah. It's yeah, so harder to win new business and put the price up. Exactly. It's like riding, you know, driving a bus with four flat tires and adding more people to it. Like that's, that's essentially what you're doing. At some point you're going to run out of, you know, profit. You're going to run out of sanity. You're going to run out of something at some point. Yeah. Um, One thing that we've just added into our, um, the, the, the contracts we provide for our like coaching clients is um, the ability to increase the price midterm. So if you're on like annual rolling contracts, or if you don't want to tie yourselves into your vendors pri uh, pricing in case 365, obviously now it's going six monthly price increases. So just making sure you've got regular clauses in there that give you a way to increase prices, you know, when when renewal happens anyway, but also increase prices in line with any other vendors that are giving you prices increases to your, your cost prices. Uh, so just worth checking through your own contracts, making sure you've got that stuff in place as well. Yeah. Yeah, Tim, Tim Kidney had another question too. He said, it's a long one. At present, I now only have three stacks following the good, better, best. Uh, it feels that this, this discussion leads to being in a position whereby you can add bolt-on services like Exclaimer, Proofpoint to a base package over time. Let me put that back up there. Um, what are your thoughts as to the best way to improve margins, two to three stacks or base stack with add-ons, kind of a la carte style? I think <clears throat> I think you'd get into a fight over this discussion. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen so many on on either side of this. I think good, better, best is 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 good. Um, I I have to insist that your good meets your minimum standards for security and the customer. Exactly everything that Robert was talking about earlier, because. What, what sometimes happens is good is not good enough and, and there's no security in there. And uh, best is where you start to introduce the security things and that's that's wrong. Good needs to be your bare minimum. Um, and hopefully that's got all your, your products in there. And that's why I, I questioned just because Proofpoint came up and I'm like, well, that's one of your security products. Have you got a base security product in your base stack? I think some MSPs are having success with going out and saying, look, it's my way or the highway. 
either these are my one, two or three stacks, or this is my one and only stack, take it or leave it. Okay. And then they're being quite bold that way. Um, but I think the reality is, and maybe Robert, you can talk on this with, with the volume of clients that you have is that you'll establish a good, better, best scenario, or perhaps a base stack scenario, but there will always be add-ons because clients are different and they have different needs. But the key is that you don't have so many products in your portfolio that when a client calls, your ticketing system can't clearly identify what products or what stack that they're on. And so mm -hmm. therefore, you can't give good support um, or that you just have such a dwindling knowledge of so many different products that you can't effectively deliver the solution with those. And so keeping the, the products in those stacks really small and then maybe still having bolt-ons, but it's a really short selection of products that you can have, I think is key. And whether that's you know good, better, best, or whether that's a base and add-ons, I think is is up to you in the sales process. But I'm I'm keen to hear what uh, what Robert thinks. So good, better, best. Um, it's fantastic to start with something, and it's a great way for you to understand what you sell as an MSP. But I do think that the good, better, best is for the newer MSPs, the more mature MSPs will probably not be, I'm trying to be polite about this, but only have one stack, you know, and it's our way or the highway. Um, and then you've got all the different add-ons. But, you know, again, don't complicate or uncomplicate the complicated. So agreeing with Scott, the good, the very lowest of the services must be adequate for your business if you don't um if you sell good but really it's going to be painful to maintain don't sell it take it off yeah yeah tim said yes yeah, his base does have proof point sentinel and 365 backup so that's that's good yeah yeah i, I yeah. can't emphasize having that that base product has been good enough my my kind of version of that was to always make sure that any client that worked with me, I could go to bed and not worry that I'm going to wake up and they're going to be hacked or something's going to happen overnight or the backup's going to get have issues. I want to make sure that I wake up and I'm confident that unless something really, really like does try and get through and they're you know really targeted, then most of my clients are going to be pretty safe. Um, the, the, the one thing I I kind of, again, I guess my take on the, the good, better, best or whichever way to do it, I, I always think, yeah, getting down to one product was like my ideal final scenario of like this is gonna be and i say like this is my one like support service and then of course you've got unique bolt-ons like the backup service that might be specific to what they've got um i always then used to treat you know microsoft 365 outside of that as well because i didn't want to have microsoft bulk up my prices and then make me look expensive when the client's got to pay for that anyway because they're going to have to have that we've got regardless of who they go with um but I think getting down to that one final, like that's the one service we offer was like my, my kind of golden ticket because once you've got the one service, you can really focus everything on delivering that one service. All your staff know it. They know exactly what service every single customer is on. They don't have to question, oh, is that with us? Is that with a third party? Do I need to call somebody else? Because everyone has the same service. But then to that kind of uh, hand as well, I always think that you should have a premium product. Um, and I've been taught this so many times over now that you might as well have a premium product because some people will buy it. Now, maybe only a handful of people will buy the premium product, but people will still buy it. So why can't you take the service you've got and then just find some things that 
don't cost you a huge amount of money or time or effort to to kind of add into that package, whatever you've got. But something that feels and and is and can be very very valuable to your clients. Things like offering those you know premium response rates or support numbers or like dedicated staff, assigned engineers, things like that that you know you might be doing within your MSP anyway. But you can market that as an actual feature and something that the uh, the, the higher tier customers can can sign up to. We had sign, uh, customers sign up to our like premium package that was double the cost of our normal package. And the only reason they said was because, well, that's the best service you offered. So that's why we signed up to it. So if we didn't have that service, we would have been literally having half the money from those clients. And it feels a bit, yeah. um, I don't, don't want to say it's like disingenuous, but you are generally trying to create a package there that is more valuable. Um, the challenge there is you're not then chucking a ton of products in there that then eat away at all your margins at that stage because it's very easy to go, oh, we're going to throw in all the security tools under the sun and now we've got really secure service. But now you're not really making any more or less than you were before. You're just giving them more stuff to then have to manage and look after. So yeah, just a service that can give you so much more premium uh, support offerings to your clients without a ton of work involved and ton of product as well. And I think um, another good point, it's it's something that Robert and Pete, you've both mentioned is, is to keep the stacks generic in terms of the naming convention. So you're not saying includes Mimecast backup and archiving, because then that locks you into the ability to change horse on, on the vendor. Um, so you want to say includes, you know, mail filtering and mail archiving, anti-spam and antivirus protection, whatever it is, but you don't want to be saying things like, well, I suppose exclaimers are a bit of an odd one, perhaps, but maybe someone will make a better one who knows um but you know you, you don't want to be saying things like proof point or you know naming the backup vendor you want to define the service that it is bringing so that if you find an option you know maybe there's a, a better price a better product whatever it is yeah. you can review and you can change now again we always say that you shouldn't um, switch horses too frequently in your MSP, especially when it comes to your core business systems and, and the systems that you supply to customers. But I believe it's Ernest Murray um, in the Tech Tribe who does an annual review of the products and services and stacks. And the contracts are actually written in such a way that it sort of says, you know, 2022 stack. And so they then know which were the products and services that were in that stack and what did they contract to. And so when it comes to renewal, have they maintained those products or are they switching products here? You know, is, there, is there a different vendor in there? And then the, the next year, they've got the 2023 stack. Um, and I'm, saying, I'm not saying he changes products every year, but it just the contracts are written in the right way. The marketing materials are written in the right way around whatever the stacks are, that it keeps it so that they have the ability to change vendor, provided that you know they're not fundamentally changing the service, I guess, that they're giving to the, uh, to the businesses. Yeah, I think that's a really totally good approach because um, one of the things that we used to run into a lot in, in our early days was um, when we were trying to piece together these kind of security stacks, you know, you put together a security stack and then you'd go another month and then suddenly there'll be another tool that you need to add into the stack and be like, oh, well, now, Mr. Customer, you need to pay another £2 a month per user to add this into your stack. And it, it going back to the whole salesy thing, it does start feeling very, very salesy after a while. You know, the only time I call you up is to go and sell you something. So yeah, absolutely yeah. taking Robert's comments there. Um, and I we, think we, having like the annual... Sorry, Robert, go for it. No, you go. I was, I was just going to finish off that. I, I think having those annual, um, annual packages works really well because then you can just go, okay, we're going to have this current year as our package and we're going to have next year's package. And we're never going to allow our customers to go beyond the current year's package. So you might have some 2023 clients now. The oldest you're going to have is 2022. 
And then when the next lot of renewals comes around, you always bump them up to the next version at least. So it just means a, a nice way of keeping people within a generation or two's worth of, of your services. Yeah, I think um, coming back to what you mentioned earlier as well, Pete, um, Sentinel One um, and other vendors out there, but I'm just using Sentinel One as an example, they have two flavors. So they've got Sentinel One Control and they've got Sentinel One Complete. I would only sell the complete because it's less admin and people would say, well, if I've got Sentinel One Control, why didn't you sell me complete? And it, again, it's just reducing that number of services that you sell. So, I, you know, always go with the top one and push it. It is a bit like, you know, at the moment, Microsoft 365 Business Standard is, you know, the, the standard, but a lot of people are moving people or businesses to a Business 365 Business Premium um, SKU and using all those additional tools. Yeah, that's what we, we did. I, think, I mean, 365, the E3 plan, that's what every customer got. Like that, that yeah. was what we standardized on. All of our techs knew exactly how to support that. Um, so I'm, I'm all for making it as simple for the techs to deliver service because that's the other aspect you have to think about. It's not just, okay, this is the cheapest one or this is the most expensive one. And I think going back to that, it's having the profit margins in your contract, correct profit margins. Yeah. Sometimes. Then again, that's because yeah. you, you, you can always dig in and that that biggest invoice that you cut every month might not be the most profitable invoice so you know don't don't fall into the trap of the biggest customer is the most profitable exactly so i know we're coming so here's just, the hour. Here's, go ahead here's here's a very quick question for the three of you and i want you to answer it in less than a second does technology make you happy? No. <laughs> For me, it's we're all in the wrong job, right? <laughs> I've asked so many people, and every time it's like, yes, it does. And then, like, a minute later, you go, actually, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that's a great question, though. Uh, I know Pete, Pete's life is around tech, so I know that's probably a catch 22 for him to be caught on camera. Saying he hates tech. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it, there's a lot of fun around it, but also, it's just the uh, like, like you were saying, Robert, before the before the call. I think with with like the watches and the phones, it's just the constant. It, it's just always there, and it would be so nice yeah. just to go and have that like retreat with no technology. But equally, for all of us, technology brings the income. So I have no idea what I'd be doing if I wasn't doing technology. Yeah, but. I, but I, I, in your world, Pete, because everything's automated, as soon as you hit the, you drive home tonight, as soon as you hit on the drive, automation kicks in. Yeah, imagine if you had a power cut at home. There'd be no heating in the house. That's fine, I've your got a battery. You, 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 your, your garage door wouldn't open. Whatever, <laughs> you, you know, te technology goes wrong, you hate it. I'd sleep in my electric car. <laughs> There's always a workaround. <laughs> I actually saw a commercial. I have to dig it up, but that's what it, it was all voice activated. And then the guy went to the uh, dentist and yeah, yeah, had a root speak. canal. And then he came home and tried to open his front door and it wouldn't understand him. So, yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, we, I yeah, we had the same commercial. Um, I've got but two quick I, points I, uh, before they leave my brain. 
Um, Go ahead. If that's okay. So we just, because I, I know the questions that will be ringing in some people's heads. So we just said, you know, make your um, service stacks generic, make your contracts generic. So they talk about services and not products. Oh, well, what about in the sales process? Because in the sales process, it will make it really easy if I can reference real products and real stats and capability of the vendor and all that stuff. You can still do that. You can absolutely still do that during the process. And, and what you can say is our current preferred vendor is this, and these are the great things about it. And these are the stats and this is the, you know, the vendor and who they are, why they're so good and why we've selected them this year as our backup provider or whatever it is. Um, but it gives you that, that duality of being able to have the flexible contracts, have the flexible packages, but still be able to lean on some of that vendor marketing material and the stats that are going to help win the customer over with why this particular vendor is so good. So you still have that option. Um, and I just think that's really important because I know people can say, well, if I don't mention anything about vendors, how am I going to convince them I've got a good service? It's not like the, you know, the funky mouse antivirus or funky mouse backup product. It is a real vendor that does, you know, this thing for, for what they do and they're Gartner leading or whatever. And that's cool. This year they probably are. Next year they might be different and you might have a different product. And it's great if you can position yourself is we've selected it for this year as the leading product for our clients. We review it on a regular basis and if we find that there's a better product that you know works better for you and us we may well change um so just just to hit that because i know people will be saying oh you can't just take mentions of the vendor completely out otherwise you'll you'll have challenges selling it um and just secondly i've got to say one of the the happiest memories i have um is when i was over doing some volunteer work in uganda um, and we had no technology we had no running water we had no electricity we had no lights at nighttime. It was just way, way out in a village in the middle of nowhere. And you could actually see every single bloody star. And it was amazing. And that's that's one of those times where you can just go, this is beautiful. This is really nice. But you see thunderstorms happening over like a, you know, a Southern African sky like that. And you can literally just see it arcing right the way across because there's no light uh, you know, radiating from anywhere. It's beautiful. And that's some of the happiest times. Absolutely no technology. Nice. There was a question, one last question for you, Robert. Is that vodka raspberry you're drinking? <laughs> Good old Vinto. Yeah. Nice. Well, I thought if it was, I could imagine a straw and a little umbrella. <laughs> I know we're at the top of the hour. So, uh, Robert, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, there we go. That's a little subterfuge. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming out of the shadows and being on the show today. Uh, I, again, thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart because I've been trying for two years now to get you uh, on a show with me. But I appreciate it. Any April, April, April 2020. We, yeah. we first. Uh, April Fool's Day of 2020. So, yeah. Crazy. I'm coming thought, up on I three years. I've, got to, I've, I've got to watch this Andrew Moon because Scott Riley's there. And I follow Scott Riley. <laughs> and you got to have Pete because he's got the coolest hair of all of us. So, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Anyway, but Robert, one last, uh, what would your one last advice be to an MSP about upserving your clients and why to do it now? Why to do it now? Because if you haven't done it, you should have done it. And it needs to become something regular in the business. And like Pete has said, 
you know, you want to go to bed, you want to be able to sleep. If something happens to your client, you want them to have the right tools that you can get that business back. If you are not selling the right tools, you aren't servicing that customer to the best of your ability. Yeah. Increasing sales 65% by straight up just adding new business is a tough slog. It, yeah, it, it, it wasn't for us. It wasn't a focus on the monetary. It was focusing on the actual stack. The monetary side just followed in suit. Yeah. So, yeah, if you focus, if you, I would almost say if you are purely focusing on the margin, you're in the wrong industry. Yep. Yep. Amen. Thank you guys again. Uh, thank you, Danny Chaplin, for showing up. Tim Kidney. Uh, any other shout outs? Tony Edwards, John Serzoza, anybody else that I missed? Appreciate you hanging out with us live today. If you are catching this on the podcast, thank you very much for listening and tuning in. And if you're over on YouTube land, you know how it works. Like and subscribe all day long to all of these gentlemen here. Uh, but I appreciate your time, Robert, and joining and no. filling those big shoes of uh, Richard Tubbs. <laughs> Well, you know what? If he's away again, I might come back. Well, we appreciate that. You'll be our, our default guest appearance on a regular basis. <laughs> you're, you're on speed dial again. All right, guys. Brilliant. Thanks again. Hey, thank uh, you for having me. Cheers. We appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you, Robert. Really good. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, Danny said yes. Thank you. Informative once again. So if you, like I said, we if you have questions, please re reach out. If you have things you'd like us to cover in future episodes, let us know. Uh, but again, we thank you for all of those uh, loyal supporters who watch us week in and week out. And we will see you all next week. Be safe. Take care. <laughs>